I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern-day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Watchman, how far gone is the night? That was the cry of one calling to Isaiah from Seir in Edom. How far gone is the night? What does that mean? To many it simply means how long is it until the dawn? But to those of us who are attentive to God's instructions, the ancient past, God's time, and how God has worked in his time, it not only means how long is it until dawn, it means so much more. Consider the passage of Scripture in Isaiah 21, verses 11 and 12. The oracle concerning Edom, one keeps calling to me from Seir. Watchman, how far gone is the night? Watchman, how far gone is the night? And of course, the oracle refers to Isaiah. And Isaiah has received this word about Edom along with Arabia. Isaiah says one calls to him from Seir, which is a city in Edom. Edom was located south of the Dead Sea and south-southeast of the kingdom of Judah during the time that Israel and Judah inhabited a divided kingdom. Edom is often associated with none other than Esau, whose descendants drove out the Horahites from the region to inhabit the land. Remember Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, Jacob whom God called Israel? To the best that I can understand, Edom and Seir were located in what is today Jordan. But this one from Seir in Edom wants to know how far gone is the night. He calls out not once but twice. Why? Well, it would seem that this one was desperate to know how long the darkness would endure. It is a desire, an anxiety, to know how long it is until judgment comes. Will it be tonight? How far gone is the night? But notice what the watchman said in reply. Morning comes, but also the night. If you would inquire, inquire. Come back again. What the watchman is saying is that the dawn is coming, but night will follow again. If you want to know then, come and ask again. What the watchman was saying is the day is coming. Judgment is coming. Is it tomorrow? Who knows? If you want to ask tomorrow, come again. Ask tomorrow. Now this was the prophet Isaiah. The oracle and the watchman were, of course, Isaiah. The one calling from the city of Seir in Edom was the enemy of Israel and Judah. This brief conversation, although it be short in duration, gives plenty to consider. Now Obadiah goes into more detail in regard to the prophecies about Edom. But notice the oracle, the watchman, and the prophet were Isaiah. I am the old watchman. Does that mean I'm claiming to be the prophet, the oracle of God? 
No, I'm not stepping out on that limb. I am a watchman. And as far as I know, that is as far as my calling goes. But how far gone is the night? I can tell you that the dawn is further away than most may think. Now that's not a statement to the extent of thus saith the Lord. No, I'm talking about the darkness that is encroaching upon the light of God's people. And when I say God's people, I'm not just talking about the Jews. I'm talking about you, me, us, them, y'all, all of us. What is this darkness I'm talking about? It is the evil that stalks the land, devouring people as they willingly and sometimes perhaps ignorantly stray from God's word to be inclusive and accepted in a perverse society. God is not through with the Jews, and I'm exceedingly happy that he is not. He has made unfulfilled promises to the Jews, and if he reneges on his promises to them, then how can I have any trust in the promises that he has made to me? Today, replacement theology is where people have replaced Israel with the modern church, and that the modern church gets all the promises and the Jews receive all the curses. And don't believe that for a moment. That's part of the darkness that I'm talking about. The Jew and Gentile are both part of the same tree, with the same root. And that root is Jesus, who, by the way, was a Jew, that feeds the branches, Jews and Gentiles. And the branches do not feed the root. The Jew and the Gentile were intended to be one man, not separate entities. That's what the book of Romans that Paul wrote was attempting to get across. How sad it is that many Gentiles misuse the book of Romans to separate themselves from the Jews, and sometimes vice versa. But what repels the darkness? What overcomes the darkness that the one crying out from Seir in Edom to Isaiah obviously feared? I can tell you that a deep relationship with Jesus Christ Yeshua HaMashiach overcomes darkness. Jesus is the light. But how is that relationship created and nurtured? I can tell you that prayer is sweet in maintaining a relationship. What I'm going to share with you in regard to prayer has to do with God's time, the watchman, the trumpets of the Bible, and it is deeply interwoven into a prayer life. What I'm going to share with you is something many of you have never heard of, and yet it is prevalent within the pages of the Bible in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. What I am going to share with you carries such weight that God himself would not veer from it. It has to do with God's time, how God set up time, and how God acts within his own establishment of time. Not on a yearly basis or even a seasonal basis, but rather on a daily basis. Yeah, it's that important. It's something that I, as a watchman, observe from day to day on a daily basis. To begin with, a biblical day starts with sunset at twilight. The new day begins with darkness. Why? Well, I don't know for certain why. The only feasible explanation I can offer is that God works not only in time but in repeating patterns before time was created and after time as we know time was created. For instance, 
When God created the heavens and the earth, there was darkness. God said, let there be light. And the Bible tells us that there was light, not light given by the sun or the moon or celestial bodies. It merely says there was light after the darkness. Darkness came first, then came light. Remember that. It's important. The fact that the biblical day begins in the evening with darkness and continues through to the light of day and to the next evening is not surprising. Why? Well, I'll tell you why I think so. You see, we're all born out of the darkness of our mother's loom into the light of day in this earth. But we're also born into the darkness of a fallen state of man on this earth. We are birthed from a place of darkness into light. The earth and the universe were dark, but God created light. We live in the darkness of a fallen state until we accept Christ, who brings us in our sin into the light. And there we are made righteous. Light penetrates the darkness. The darkness appears to be null and void, but it is not. Rather, the darkness conceals that which is lurking in the darkness. Light penetrates the darkness and reveals what is unseen in the darkness. This is a repeating pattern in the Bible. The darkness, the night, comes first. Then comes the light of day. Did you know that the hours of the day are numbered in the Bible? It's true. Each hour of the day has a specific order on God's timeline. Now, they didn't have Rolex watches or Tag Heuer watches or Apple watches in those days. They had the light of day and the position of the sun in accordance to the season by which they told time during the day. At night, they had the moon phases, the seasons in conjunction with the constellations that were visible in their positions in the night sky to keep track of time. But each hour was accounted for. And here are some examples. Acts chapter 2, verse 15, and this is Peter speaking. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. The third hour would have been around 9 o'clock-ish in the morning. Why? Because the dawn, on average, did not arrive until somewhere around close to 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 a.m. being the first hour. Consider also Matthew 27, verse 45. Pay close attention. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. Now this was during the process of the crucifixion of Jesus himself, and the hours of the day were numbered. The sixth hour would have been around midday or noon, and the ninth hour would have been around three o'clock. The ancients knew and understood the times of the day, if you'll follow along with me over the next several weeks, you'll understand why. It is important. What I'm going to share with you about God's time and how God set up time in a way that even God himself would not waver from his creation of time in the physical realm. In sharing this information with you, I would reach into the pages of the Bible and pull out scriptural passages that reveal these long ago forgotten mysteries that are hiding in plain sight. Hiding in plain sight? No, they're not hiding. It's only that the casual reader 
or even the well-versed do not know what to look for or recognize what they are seeing. There are many who are well-versed who do not see or hear what the Word of God is telling us today. And that simply will not do. To reveal these mysteries requires that I break things down into the simplest elemental form and present them in little bite-sized pieces a little at a time. It took me five years of extensive, intensive study, prayer, and meditation on the scriptures before Holy Spirit put the pieces together and I could see and hear what God was saying in his word. Initially, it may appear quite simple and straightforward, and it is. However, it is how the pieces of the puzzle fit together that one can become lost and entangled. It will kind of be like teaching in parables. Consider what Jesus said. Now this is Matthew chapter 13 verses 10 through 17. And it reads, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and their ears scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. That's all that I'm doing. I've learned how to see and hear what is in the Scripture. To do that, I spent a lot of time reading, studying, praying, meditating on the scriptures. I've asked for wisdom to discern, and wisdom was granted. I don't say that to boast. And it's not to say that I have any secret keys or mysterious mantras that allow me to rise above all of you. The only way I rise above any of you is to step up on that wall and watch. I do not benefit financially, and what I freely have received, I freely give. I'm not practicing any of the practices of the Nicolaitans as mentioned in Revelations. I cannot express how much I yearn for all of you to see what I see and hear what I hear. It is out of obedience and yearning that I express or attempt to convey the simple truths that I have learned, for they are quite simple. I marveled at how simple they truly are and wondered, how have I never seen or heard that before? And it says, Jesus said, I had ears I could hear, but I didn't understand. 
I had eyes that could see. I could read the text, but I could not perceive. My heart and my soul and spirit were dull, and I was shown how to hear with my ears and see with my eyes and understand with my heart and return. And when I returned, I was healed. Return. Return to what? As I said, I had no secrets. I hold no secrets. Freely I receive, freely I give. There is nothing mysterious, metaphysical, in anything that I'm going to share with you. It's all right there in the pages of the Bible, in black and white, and sometimes red print. That's available to everyone. It's just that I happen to go into those pages with mining gear and dig out the gems that lie beneath the silver and the gold. The truth is there. It merely needs to be discovered. The truth doesn't need to be interpreted. If so, the truth becomes subjective and we can make the truth anything we want it to be. And it's not new wine, as many pastors and authors of the day like to say that they have received from the Scripture. No. What I'll be sharing is old wine that has been aging within the pages of the Bible for centuries, millennia, long ago forgotten and swept under the rug, in a bygone past. But to return, return to what? That was the first step of our journey that we will take together. If you're brave enough, come along with me. The answer to the question is quite simple. It was presented to me very early in my journey, becoming a watchman, before I had ever seen or held the shofar in my hand. The answer is found in Jeremiah six, sixteen through 17. And let me share that with you. Thus saith the Lord, Stand by the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. And I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. And they said, we will not listen. Now, there's a lot of information in those two verses. It took me two, maybe three months to understand. But let's start at the beginning. Verse 16. Thus says the Lord. Well, God said it. I suspect I ought to listen and listen closely. He goes on to say, Stand by the ways and see. The first word, stand, is a command. It doesn't say advance or retreat or veer to the left or right. It simply says to stand. Now, stand by the ways. By the ways means at a crossroads or a path diverging from another. Anyway, the command was to stand and to stand by the ways. There's another command. And the command is to see. See what? See who? So this far we have the command to stand by the pass and the command to see. Then there's another command, and ask. The third command is to ask. Ask what? Ask who? I had no idea. The verse goes on to reveal that we are to ask for the ancient pass. Ancient pass. What ancient pass? Where in Jeremiah, what pass could be older than Jeremiah? 
I searched out the Old Testament for days, and I couldn't find any paths that were flagged or had any signage. When I got that point, I, I got a curveball. Thus far, we were told to stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths. Here's the curveball, where the good way is. The good way. What is the good way? As I read the verse over many times, I could not grasp something that I knew I was missing. The ancient paths were on the ways that I was to stand by and see and ask for. Not always were ancient paths, but the ancient paths were found on the ways. To make things even more confusing to me, the good way was only found on the ancient paths. I was in a state of bewilderment for days, maybe weeks over one verse. And then there was another command, walk in it. Walk in what? The good way, the ancient paths. But the results were clear if you followed the instructions. You will find rest for your souls. Well, I can tell you that I was in torment trying to figure this thing out, trying to understand. I was missing something. There was more here than met the eye, an eye that couldn't see. I was seeing, but I was not perceiving. My heart couldn't grasp what was being said because I didn't understand, and I desperately wanted to understand. Then one day, it hit me. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus was the good way. If we walk in Jesus, we have rest for our souls. Jesus even said so himself in Matthew 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Jesus was directly referencing Jeremiah 6.16. But what are these ancient paths? The ancient paths are those instructions that lead to God the Father, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Hamashiach, and Holy Spirit. They are found throughout the Bible in the Old and New Testament. To find these ancient paths, you must stand, see into the Bible, Ask for wisdom and discernment of the Holy Spirit to reveal the instructions and then walk in those instructions. Those instructions will lead you through training in righteousness and ultimately to Jesus. Then you will find rest for your soul. Another New Testament example found in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. It says, All Scripture inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good deed. Now there's an ancient path for you. There's instruction. But what scripture was Paul talking about? He was talking about the Old Testament, the only scripture they had at the time. For another ancient path, look at Joel chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Or Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Those are ancient paths. That's what we return to, ancient paths. The ancient paths are where the good way is. Jesus is the good way. 
When we return to the ancient paths, we find the rest for our souls, for we then we have been healed in Jesus. What I'm going to present in the coming weeks has to do with ancient paths, God's time, and how God works within his time. Up until now, I've talked about time and years, months, and seasons. But I'm going to step into a frame or time frame of days. The watchman and his trumpet are part of it. Prayer is a large part of it. Spending time with God is a major part of it. What am I going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about the watches or pieces of time of each day. I'm not talking about a Rolex, a Citizen, or even a Timex timepiece you wear on your wrist. I'm talking about blocks of time throughout the day. That's what a watch is, a block of time. I'm going to discuss what is involved with each watch. How long is each watch? And how I have stood watch on each of the watches at one time or another. There's nothing mystical, mysterious, or metaphysical about the watches. They were established for a reason. I only know part of that reason. I don't know of anyone who knows the whole reasoning behind the watches or why they were established in the manner in which they have been. The watches are not an unheard of thing in the church, at least in the international church. But in the Western Church of America, the true watch is rarely spoken of and there is very little, if any, understanding. Understanding is limited at best. I would like to remedy that situation. There are eight watches in all. There are four night watches to fend off evil in the darkness, and there are four day watches that strengthen. The watchman cannot sleep nor rest, nor can the watchman on the wall give God any rest until Jerusalem has been restored to his glory. That's how important the watches are. I leave you with Isaiah 62, verses 6 through 7, which read, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves, and give him no rest, until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. Come back next week when I begin to reveal the watches of the watchmen. It's not what you think. Don't miss it. I am the old watchman Ezekiel, and you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please. Come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.